The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. It's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Also do that while you're here. Okay, let's get into it. So as I think you know, we're going to be doing NBA draft-focused episodes between now and the 2023 NBA draft, which is scheduled for June 22nd, it'll be here before you know it. We've already done episodes that touch on Victor Wimbanyama, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, the Thompson Twins. Today, we're going to focus on Jarris Walker, the six foot eight, 240-pound forward from Houston who just helped the Cougars earn a number one seed in the 2023 NCAA tournament. I have him projected right now to go fifth overall to the Detroit Pistons. Is it clear that Jarris Walker should be a top five pick in this draft? I'm going to ask Norlander that question next. But first, real quickly, uh, a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Dead like sometimes it's important to get the business out of the way early. I, I didn't realize that was right. On, that was the fastest ad read we've had ever. I wasn't ready. Dead like sometimes you got to get the business out of the way early so that you can this, focus well, this on is, this what be a short episode. On. So we got it done. Yeah, it's over with. That's done. So let me ask you the question I promised to ask: Is it clear to you, Jarris Walker should be a top five pick in this draft? No, not clear at all. Um, just me or do you agree that even though we know like one Banyama going one to San Antonio um, 
in the past few days, I've been thinking about this. It feels like, and you've got a little bit of, you know, you got the scoop Brendan Miller stuff a little bit there. And we already did that podcast episode. Of course, I feel like all the Wemby stuff has really taken a lot of the air and attention and spotlight off of basically anyone after three in this draft. Am I am I overreacting or would you agree to that? Like, I'm excited to talk about Jairus Walker. Don't get me wrong. But relative to like, we've been doing these prospect oriented episodes as part of our podcast feed for a few years now. And even before that, I mean, you and I have covered the draft here for well over a decade for CBS Sports. To me, though, like as we get into the five, six, seven area, it feels like there's less intrigue and interest in those in these prospects as maybe there has been in the past decade. Agree or disagree? I think I agree. Um, I, 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 you know. I'd have to go back in time and try to take a snapshot of how I felt, you know, uh, three weeks out, four weeks out of, of previous drafts. But I do feel like it's like Victor, and then let's see what Charlotte does at two, probably between Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, and then you'll get some Thompson twins, and then some guys. And I think this is probably true with most drafts, but it feels especially true now. And then some guys who, like they have some physical attributes that make you think they could be great, but they could also just be role players. Like, you know, I yes. think you get, you get outside of Victor, Scoot, Brandon, maybe at least one Thompson twin, possibly two. The rest of the draft feels like, or at least the rest of the lottery feels like, yeah, you could really get something special or could just be a role player. Could be a role player. I I agree with that. Now we will event, like we'll look up in five seven years time here, and there's going to be someone picked eighth or fourteenth or twenty sixth, and they're going to be you know impactful important players at the NBA level. But projecting that now, they just don't stand out to me. And it's to me, it's not clear that Jarris Walker makes sense as the surefire guy to be fifth in line. Although that being said, he's going to in in my estimation where we sit right now, end of end of May less than a month out from the draft. You got the Pistons at five. You've got the Magic at six. You've got the Pacers at seven. One of those three spots, I think he's going to inevitably wind up going to. We will see if, in fact, there winds up being some some trade action as well. Obviously, that's possible. That could impact where he goes. To me, he is a player that fit will be important. And that's not something we always say about guys that are top five picks. In fact, it's something we may... They seldom say about guys or top five picks. But to me, Jarris Walker's success at the NBA level and being a uh, above average NBA player through multiple contracts, I think will be dependent upon who drafts him and how well the fit is. And this uh, that's obviously something that plays out to a major extent and it'd be up with guys taken beyond 15th overall. But top five, I think it's... Uh, I think it's the case here. I'm sure GP has his stats up, but I'll read them to you real quick. Jairus Walker last season was an important piece, but not for as good as he was as a freshman. And Houston was a dominant team. And part of this was the conference. Houston played in shore. Um, if you love college basketball and you wanted to see Houston play, you could find a play. But they were, they were not a program that was among the, the 10 to 15 most watched, despite all their dominance. And in that, Walker was a... Very good starter, but he was no star. 11.2 points, 6.8 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 1.3 blocks on 46.5% shooting. His offensive rating at Ken Palm, it was good, not great. 112.5. That's good. That's definitely good, but that's not out of this world. He shot 34.7% from three-point range on 101 attempts for a guy with his build, you know, 6'8", somewhere around 240, 245. Uh, that's some 
that's some good progress. And in fact, it's because he has those numbers, even though his three point shot, I'm not quite so certain he's going to be uh, asked to shoot a ton uh, from that distance at the NBA level. He'll be asked to shoot some because he needs to at that size and he has that skill. Um, I'm not convinced that he'll be a 35% three point shooter at the NBA level, but because he was at the college level, I think that is why he is in the discussion among some other things, but I think this is significant why he's in the discussion to go as a top five pick. I will note for as intriguing of a prospect as he was, he's also an uncommon in this way. He went for 20 or more points just five times in 36 games. So he was not a dominant player. He has attributes that signal that he uh, could be, be someone that adjusts relatively quickly to the NBA level. Potentially, he's got a lot of strength, a lot of size, really good dexterity in his feet, GP, 7'2", seven, 7'2 two, seven, two wingspan on a 6'8 frame, and it's one of the best frames. He's one of the most physically developed players of anyone in this draft. But where do you sit with him? You've, I know you've got him fifth overall in your mock. Where do you sit with him as a prospect? And I guess for our listeners, like you're trying to predict GM behavior. Do you like I don't consider Jairus Walker a top five prospect in this class. Do you? I think he could be. I think it's I think it's debatable. I mean, I, I think everybody at this point is going to have Victor Scoot and Brandon in their top five. Right. That that that. So now we're we're picking. We got two slots left. Some people would fill them with a couple of Thompson twins. Some people might take one Thompson twin and Jairus Walker, a Thompson twin and Cam Whitmore. You know, there's a lot of different ways you could go so i guess if you want me to answer the question i initially asked you it's not clear to me that jairus walker should be a top five pick but it's not clear to me that he shouldn't be and i think once you get past maybe certainly victor scoot brandon miller and maybe Amon thompson I think he, you can make a, as good of a case for him as as anybody else. Uh, I think there's two reasons why he wasn't some off-the-chart statistical monster as a freshman in college. One is that he's the, I don't want to say rare, one-and-done prospect whose strength is on the defensive end of the court, but I, I do think it's unusual as opposed to usual for a one-and-done prospect to be better equipped defensively coming into the NBA than offensively. And I think that is the case with Jairus Walker. He has the opportunity to be a tremendous defender, a versatile defender, and, and probably pretty quickly because it's not like he necessarily needs to physically mature. He's 6'8", 240. He is as tall as you'd like a basketball player to be, but with a football player's body. Um, he doesn't always use his body the way you would like. We'll get to that later. But he's going to be able to guard in that league right from the jump. Um, th 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 and and he, because he's stronger defensively than offensively, and that's one of the reasons he didn't stand out from a statistical standpoint at Houston. The other reason is I think he went to Houston where he's going to be playing with Marcus Sasser and Jamal Shedd, and he's like Tremont Mark. He had older teammates. It reminded me his college decision, uh, just based on nothing other than roster development, um, like when Derrick Rose went to Memphis. Derrick Rose didn't go to Memphis to play with a bunch of other young guys. He went to Memphis and played with a bunch of 22 and 23 and 24-year-olds. He was the one – he was supposed to be the one-and-done missing piece to a national champion. And as you know, they finished second. Chalmers for the tie, Dozier for the championship. Mm -hmm. Jairus Walker walked into a very similar situation. Like, uh, okay, I'm going to go to college. 
as a projected lottery pick, as a five-star everything, but I'm probably not going to be the best player on my team as a freshman. Probably going to be Marcus Sasser. Might not even be the second best player on my team, although I think you can argue he was. Second leading scorer, second leading rebounder, and a really high-level defender for the most part. So I think he walked into a situation that was built for winning, not necessarily built for I'm going to come in and post Kevin Durant, Michael Beasley numbers. Like if you took him at took him to South Carolina, which is what another five-star forward did, like is he posting bigger numbers at a place like that for a wildly worse team? Probably, probably. But he chose to go to Houston where his offensive production was always going to be uh, limited. I remember at the Veterans Classic, this was early in the season, but I was was um, Houston and St. Joe's. Mm-hmm. And we were at shoot-around that morning. And, like, you just walk in the gym and he looks different, right? Jairus, well, he just looks different than everybody else. And Kelvin said, I remember Kelvin saying, he can shoot it from anywhere right now, but has no idea if it's going in. You know, he can make some, he'll miss some, but he just doesn't, he doesn't, he's not comfortable offensively yet, but he'll get there. All the tools to get there are there. So it was always going to be a work in progress offensively. And, and it, it undeniably was, but I think a lot of that had to do with the college that he selected. He was going to have to, you know, play a role for a championship contender. And I think broadly speaking, he, he played that role pretty well. Yeah, I would I I would agree. Um, he's he's interesting to me in that. Yeah, his, his defense is why he's also the, the other reason why he's here. Um, he's a top five all around defender in the draft and someone that I think will be asked to step in and defend. I'm not going to say one through five. I feel like that's even become too much of a default talking point how many players they may level in there no, so it's, it's how like many when, guys can actually guard one through five no, it's, 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 it's like when five. you hear an aau coach say oh yeah i got a guy he can play all five positions is his name magic johnson yeah or lebron exactly. james because if not you're not telling the truth yeah. I, I got a guy who can guard all five positions or i got a guy who can play all five positions is the basketball version of oh you know that high school kid he can run a four 140 no he can't okay stop he can't run a four one forty. Yeah, four one is outrageous. Even four yeah. two is outrageous. Yeah, but you can, ridiculous. Like, like I, I never met a good high school football coach who didn't try to tell me back when I covered high schools. He had some kid who could run a four two forty. All right, yeah. like no, you can't. He 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 runs a four two forty, and he can guard one through five. Like no, it no, none of that's true. Uh, right. But he can guard. How about this? Small ball fives. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he can switch onto wings and yeah. guards. He's pretty for, yeah. for for a one and done prospect. He's as close to can guard one through five as you can probably be, even though he's not technically that. If that makes We're sense. We're going to popularize. He can guard one through four. Or he can guard through two through five. We're going to popularize. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to say he can guard two through five. I think that's possible. Yes, he can play some small ball five. He has very good feet. And if you watched him play consistently, I, when I watched Houston play, I remember thinking like he just always knows how to make you uncomfortable consistently with his arms on defense. Like he doesn't have lazy arms. They're always up. They're always active. They're always wide. He's got good wingspan. That's immediately noticeable there. And, and I think what will be important for him and why he's in consideration to go as high as fifth is his pick and roll defense is noticeably competent for a player that that is that 
who is that big. I said this when we did our lottery night mock on HQ. I actually think it reflects well on grassroots basketball that a player like Jairus Walker in the year 2023 is up for consideration to be a top five pick because it speaks to obviously his own development and his own uh, intuition and drive and focus. Most of this is on him, but the systems in place, yes, it's Houston, but even before that, you know, for the past four or five years, he has grown up uh, in, into uh, a culture of basketball that has allowed him to be this good, this well-rounded of a player. Like he's got some offensive skill, but defensively, Man, he is aggressive. He understands the reads. He is rarely hesitant in pick-and-roll defense. He doesn't overplay. And because of that, I think that's why he is so tempting because overall, it would be easy for a player that's, you know, ridiculously built, 6'8", 240-ish, to have some attributes that make him a tantalizing prospect. But it's like, eh, you know. He might be a guy that we take, you know, somewhere between 17 and 25. It wouldn't have been hard for Jairus Walker to slip into that range, but he didn't in part because he, for a few years now, this is pre-Houston, has projected well as someone who can defend so many positions and understands defensive concepts individually and at the team level. And the pick and roll defense is a major, major, is a major part of that. Um, And I will be interested to see like if he goes to the Pistons at five, I think that makes sense defensively. But again, it will come down to fit overall because to echo what GP kind of said off, off the top, this is nothing against Jairus Walker. I just, when I look at the players that are in play to be picked in the lottery, like if you draft Jairus Walker, wherever you get him, five, six, seven, eight, wherever he goes, you know, it's a win if he's your third best player, in my opinion. That's a good, that's a good outcome. I don't think you should be drafting him uh, certainly not expecting to be your best player. And I think it is oh, a bridge too far particular for me. This is just me. It is a bridge too far to think if you're getting Jairus Walker at five or six, he's going to be your second best player off the jump in year two. I, I just don't, I, while he has some act, they're not the same players. While some attributes are similar to what Paolo Bancaro did a year ago, some, not all, by, by no means all. Bancaro stepped in immediately, rookie of the year. You saw what he was doing. If you're expecting like even, of that kind of impact as a a rookie, I think you would be expecting too much. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bad. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. what'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four the podcast so you don't miss a thing. Yeah, um, you know he's a versatile defender who's probably a plus defender on the ball. Arguably, even better as a team defender. Understands rotations, and lots of help side blocks. Um, 
just a good team defender who knows when and how to to help by talking and and moving his feet. He's going to be, I think, pretty good, if not great, in that role pretty quickly. Um, The question becomes, and this is where we can pivot into some obvious concerns, the, the questions are, on offense what what can he be offensively as you mentioned mentioned he shot 34.7 percent from three on 2.8 attempts per game it's not embarrassing but it's not great and he only shot 66.3 percent from the free throw line um, which is not usually a good sign for improvement with the three-point shot he'll likely not definitely but he'll likely never be an offensive priority. Mm-hmm. But I do think you can put him in pick and rolls and he can score or pass out of that, you know, pick and pop, short rolls. Um he's equipped to do all that stuff. He's got a short roll, one dribble, little floater, uh, a a short roll, one dribble jumper. You know, he can draw a defense in and then you know drop it off for dunks and layups. Like he's a better playmaker than I think some people realize, you know, he's not a point forward. Exactly. That would be overstating it. Uh, but the ball doesn't have to stop with him. I guess that's my point. Yeah. He can, he can get it. He can initiate offense for himself or others. He only averaged 1.8 assists per game, but if you watch it, you can see um, flashes of actual playmaking from him catching the ball, you know, on the elbow or, short rolling to the free throw line. He can play make out of that. Um, So there's some ability there, but it it is not quite a finished product and not even close to a finished product. But if you tell me he's going to be a reliable three point shooter, then, then I'm ready to say, absolutely. He should be a top five pick that still is very much up in the air. And there's, there's some statistical stuff there to, to be skeptical. I mentioned earlier. um, Another issue is that he's got this amazing body but he doesn't really use it the way you would think. He's 6'8", 240, doesn't really play bully ball or initiate a lot of contact or punish smaller players. There's a lot of stuff I watched on film where it's like drive and fade away or drive and float as opposed to drive Likes and the floater. Likes yeah. the floater a lot. And, and that's a good thing. There, he is not going to be asked to rely on it, and I don't. I say rely. He didn't rely. He's not going to be asked to utilize it as much at the NBA level as he did at college level. I agree with you entirely on this. Yeah, point, like I, I like I want John ja Morant to utilize a floater rather than go in there and and bang bodies with seven footers who are two hundred and sixty pounds. But when you're six eight two forty, I don't need a floater as much as I. Hey, go be a big boy. Like drive it and initiate the contact and punish somebody for trying to take a charge. Punish for somebody for trying to stand in front of you. He doesn't do that as much as you would think somebody who looks like that would do it. And so that's probably just uh, uh, something that at the NBA level they'll continue to work on and continue to try to make it a mindset. But to be six eight two forty with an amazing body. He doesn't, on the offensive end of the court, use it the way I think you would prefer him to use it. I would, I would agree. Um, yeah, he just for his size, he should have been more dominant on the attack and in the paint last season than he was overall. And he had his moments, but I just don't think it was consistent enough. Um, his most common shot was a spot up jumper. In, fr- in fact, um, 
you talked about the the foul shooting and that might be a concerning thing. But his according to Synergy, his jumpers without a dribble, 53% shooting for the season. That's that is a good sign there. So a solid spot up shooter actually was really he was most effective as a cutting big man, which you always want to see. Um particularly getting to the basket. Uh, he just didn't do it a ton. Like he, he scored a bucket a game in, in a cut to the basket kind of scenario there. Um, really, really good as a flasher overall. So if you're the kind of listener that listens to this pod all year long, you're familiar with our, with our thoughts on what Kelvin Sampson does with that program. But if you are the kind of listener who's, who's floating in on and listening to some, some profile prospect stuff and an NBA stuff, Walker to me is, he seems fairly safe as a pick, fairly safe. And by that, I mean, I just, because of his physicality, because of his defensive reliability, I just don't see a strong likelihood for flame out. But I think I mentioned this on the HQ show a little less than two weeks ago. I do think there's a potential with with because of fit and how he plays, he may just be a role player at best two, three years from now. That may or may not be the case, but because I don't see him being right now growing into a top two, three, maybe not a top four offensive option on a team for offense. Um, and maybe that's okay. I mean, Ben Wallace once guided a team to an, uh, to a, to an NBA finals championship and look at what he does, you know? So uh, you do have outliers. You do have exceptions there. I think it speaks to, some weakness in this year's crop of lottery picks. I, th- I find that to be uh maybe it goes hand in hand, but you know, you've got the best prospect in 20 years and maybe a top five all time NBA prospect period. And he's juxtaposed against a lottery where a lot of other guys, not just because of how they compare to Wembenyama, but just, I think in even an average year, this feels like a little bit of an inferior lottery. And in some years we might be talking about Walker as, you know, your eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th guy on the board, as opposed to your fifth or your sixth. Yeah. Um, I think with the body and the defensive versatility and by all accounts, great work ethic, impressive young man. Like that is one of the other things I remember talking to Kelvin about that he um, made a point to say is like, we recruit, you know, like very much, you know, how, wh- who are your parents is something that's important to us. They, they don't rule out anybody based on, family circumstances but it is a priority with the houston program like do you have impressive parents like who raised you where do you come from what are you about i just remember kelvin making a point that that is something that matters to us and the way he described it last season's team jairus walker included like he had a team full of nothing but guys who were great like come from good places maybe maybe humble places right But but good places with good hearts and good families. And he just thought he had an entire roster full of hard workers of guys who were about the right stuff. And he was very intentional in including Jairus in that. I I think Jairus picking Houston as opposed to some other places he could have gone is I, I think that says something about you. Like, I don't need to go be the he was coming to college as a projected top 10 pick to play with a preseason first team All American. Like, hey, I don't have to come be the big man on campus, get all the shots. Like, I just want to let's let's go win. Like, I think that says something about him. Not to be naive about the recruiting process, but like, you know, yeah. I, I I think that says something about. It. I don't know. It's just that body, the defensive versatility, combined with a uh, what I am told is a great work ethic and great attitude. Like that guy doesn't miss. 
Like, he might not be an NBA All-Star someday because that's hard to do. But that guy's not going to – he won't flush out of the league. We'll, we'll look up in we'll look up in eight years and barring injuries, Jairus Walker will still be guarding people well in the NBA. I'd be shocked if anything – I would, I would be – yeah, we can, yeah, we can put a bow on this with that. Yeah. I, just because of how versatile he is defensively right. and why that projects to get even better and more – again, knock on wood – just no injuries. We're taking injuries out of the equation, as always, with this kind of stuff. He's got enough with the shot, good enough cutter, reads uh, PNRs well on both ends, where if you're listening, you're a fan of the teams that are going to be in five, six, or seven, you get them. Um, I wouldn't say you should be over the moon, but just a really nice piece to help to continue to build around, and we'll see where he winds up going. Let's get out of here. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for watching listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe to the YouTube channel and anywhere else you might get podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them, and that needs to be reflected in the comments over at Apple. So subscribe, follow, rate it, review it. Thank you in advance, and we will talk to you again real soon. Till then. Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!